0: Bombering Radio still exists. Uh, I just took some time off. I hope you had a uh, nice Christmas, New Year's, and whatever other holidays you're celebrating. So, uh, yeah. Welcome back, <laughs> even though I'm the one that was gone. So, um, yeah, Monday, the tenth, the tenth day of January. Today's uh, actually my sister Maureen's birthday. Uh, Maureen died in 2014 um, from uh, complications from alcohol poisoning, and. Um, when we were kids, um, she, uh, I taught her how to play baseball and, and, uh, she, yeah, she and I, because we traveled every summer, uh, we were, uh, yeah, we were, we were besties. So, um, yeah, so today's her birthday. So happy birthday, Mo, as I called her. The, um, Changes for All Marine Radio, um, in the works. Uh, not in the works. I've already decided. But um, if you, for anybody who follows All Marine Radio and and has has followed it over the course of its five and a half years of existence, yeah, going on six, um, uh, you will have also followed the uh, the advent of post traumatic winning. And so um, they're now butting up against each other in, ten, in terms of demand for time, and that's that's kind of what um, that's kind of what this last couple weeks, certain last ten days have been about. Uh, probably the first week was the holidays, and then the, the rest of it, the uh, kind of contemplating what the things that I needed to do to be able to take advantage of the opportunities that uh that have come my way and um put me in a in a position to uh influence uh people and 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 institutions and things like that so uh with that opportunity in mind hold on let me turn off a space heater So, there you go. Uh, It was cold in here this morning. Yeah, my garage, um, my studio is awesome, uh, except when it gets really, really hot or when it gets really, really cold. And uh, California, cold is in the 40s. So, uh, I don't know what last night was, but it got down close to that. So, coming out here in the morning, a little bit brisk, not going to lie to you. Um, but nothing that a hooded sweatshirt, a hat, and a fleece over the hooded sweatshirt will not cure. So, um, but anyway, so, okay, Mac, how does uh, all-marine radio evolve? Well, uh, the way all-marine radio evolves is that, um, it gets shorter. Um, so, um probably on a regular basis you'll it'll i'll publish things probably two or three times a week and uh you know the people that you've grown familiar to listen to the smart people that come on the show well i don't know if all of them are smart but the people that come on the show uh grant newsham one of them uh regular guest and then uh and then my friends uh, the mensa brothers um that come on and uh, we'll try to do that on a weekly basis and then um but I also think that uh there's news that uh and commentary that I've always enjoyed um that is uh you know I think attracted an audience to all marine radio that we talk about certain topics and talk about them in a certain way um and so uh so yeah two to three times a week uh the live streaming piece of it will go away and it'll be a podcast like any other podcast so that'll save me 75 bucks a month yeah and um but i do it uh honestly i do it with uh I do it with very very mixed emotions. I um I like doing this. I like the um. I like current events. I like talking about them. I like um I like the whole interaction with uh, people that I meet, um and uh and have an interest in these uh, in these issues, and I, I meet a bunch of them, uh here via All Marine Radio and uh and get to interact with them, and so that's always been, and I've been doing this since about two thousand and so um yeah, so I enjoy it, and uh I enjoy and I've always enjoyed uh you know discourse, hopefully enlightened discourse, uh maybe sometimes not so much um and uh and so. So, yeah, so kind of dialing that down is, like, not something I want to do. And so what I've done as I've traveled more and, and had other opportunities, um, what I've done is I've, you know, I've tried to find ways to be more efficient. Well, <laughs> I've quick, I've decided that I can't be any more efficient, that the only thing I'm doing now is becoming more inefficient um, as I try to do too many things. So, um, so certainly pairing this back will give me an opportunity to – to do more in the area that I think, um, saves lives. And, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm obviously looking forward to that. And really, you know, at the top of the list is, is writing more, um, and, uh, publishing books and things like that, that takes time. And so, uh, so if you go through my day to get up and, uh, and to do this about four hours of work, um, and then you know then to go outside and work out there's another hour or so and then try to write except other things come up and then pretty pretty soon writing doesn't happen and so anyway you know like online seminars and things like that all you know take away some nights and so um I think that I had to change the way I do this so anyway Um, So that's what's been going on kind of the last 18 days, kind of redoing that and looking at my week and how does that happen. So anyway, so uh, with all of that said, good morning to you. Um, As I said, I hope you had a a great uh, holiday and uh, however you spend it. The United States uh, Marine Corps Band uh, makes this morning official. Soon as I get it dialed in. So, good morning. <laughs> And this is dedicated to everybody who sent me a shitty email over the holidays where the fuck are you hey slacker time to come back hey what the fuck man so this is dedicated to all you losers out there who sent me those shitty emails um, I'm glad you enjoyed the product um, but everybody needs a little downtime yeah sorry I fucked your life up <laughs>
1: Challenging conditions and odds to win. You
0: gotta win. To the weather we go. Yeah, I haven't done this in a while. The weather. E- Uh, currently it is partly sunny and 35 yeah both my sons one lives in Quantico the other one lives on the other side of D.C. on the north side of D.C. in Maryland and they're funny Uh, they're talking about the snow and the crushing effect it has on northern Virginia and southern Maryland and you know they're born they're not born but raised in North Dakota (laughs) but so they're they're funny as hell, uh, and they both love the snow. Yeah, I mean they both they're both hockey players, and you know grew up learning about life down at the outdoor rink. Yeah, see the outdoor rinks, they have warming houses near them, right? So it's just a, a brick building with benches in it, and uh, and a heater in it, and there's a rec attendant in there. So you go down, and the outdoor rink is simply in North Dakota they wait till the ground freezes, they put up wooden boards, hockey boards, and then a water truck comes and squirts a ton of water on the ground. And for the winter, you have an ice rink. So the kids go and then they next adjacent to the rink, they they'll squirt water in this big rectangle. So figure skaters and if you just want to go out and mess around and with your skates and skate and whatnot, you can do that. And so the warming house is pretty important. So kids, you know, they'll be out there playing, and then they go into the warming house and they warm up, put their skates on, take their skates off, hang out. Yeah. So you can imagine. My son's learned about life in the warming houses of of Grand Forks, North Dakota. Yeah, but they like the cold weather. My daughters, too. They miss it. Um, So, anyway. They had some interesting observations about the... uh, (laughs) About about uh, Virginia and Maryland's ability to do weather, you know, and it's like you know, it's like anything else in 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 the nation when you when you don't use those muscles very often, um, and then you call on them, chances are, not so much. So anyway, um, thank God most of that is gone for a while at least, um. So yeah, it is partly sunny and 35 in Quantico. Down the coast, uh, Marine Corps Air Station Cherry Point, it is cloudy in 46. I'm headed back there in a couple weeks, two and a half, maybe three weeks. Um, yeah, it's been a couple of weeks back with the Second Marine Air Wing. Sunny in 43 at uh, in 29 Palms. Yeah, in the 40s in 29 Palms. So no wonder what it was cold here last night. At Camp Pendleton, it is partly sunny and 53. Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark cloudy 66. Okinawa, dark raining and 64 in the Philippines. Actually in the 70s, dark cloudy and 79. And in Darwin where it's always warm, it is uh, dark cloudy and 83. Currently at the home of All Marine Radio, it is mostly cloudy, 53 degrees. Looking for a high today of 75 and an overnight low of 51. High surf advisory is in effect. Yeah. So, uh, are you cowabunga dudes? All right. You might want to get out there. Yeah, everybody's like, oh, high surf. Like, Oh, no, the gifted ones. They'll be out there, trust me. Yeah. The question is, the high surf isn't the issue. It's the wind. So if there's not a whole lot of chop out there, Cowabunga, dude. It's gonna get in the green room. If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. Um, yeah, look for a high today of 75 today, 79 tomorrow, 74 on Wednesday, 67 on Thursday, 67 on Friday. Uh, that is look at the weather. The um Tonight, I do on Monday nights, I do a graduate seminar for post traumatic winning. People have been through the program. And I'll tell you, it's one of the cooler things I do because these people have um, been involved in post traumatic winning for a long time. They've gone through the program and uh, they show up and we talk about something. Uh, tonight, Ken and Betty Rogers are going to join us. Yeah. And so it's cool because Ken and Betty are their storytellers, but they're also um, their participants in this journey down this path. So uh, so it's gonna be so it's gonna be cool, in spite of it being at the same time as the NCAA national championship. Yeah, I didn't really I didn't really plan this very well, well it's every Monday night and I didn't think to shut it off, so so Alabama and Georgia will get after it. And, um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, fired up about that. So, that, that exciting. The, um, there's a whole series of stories since I've been away that I, I email myself stories, right? And um, article written in Proceedings a month ago, How We Do Away with the Marine Corps, article written this past week on why we need a Marine Corps. So I would tell you that it's kind of interesting that we're having this discussion again. Okay. Yet again. And, um, there's a lot of people in the Marine Corps that are concerned that the Marine Corps has put itself in a position, um, under General Berger's leadership, um, and the different initiatives that, um, have been put out there to marginalize itself as a service to the to the to the to the end that it would its existence would be questioned, yeah, so an existential question about the marine corps so and now you're starting to see those articles, which is a little bit, and for those who predicted that, they're like told you told you this was happening, remember. Always remember the nation does not need a Marine Corps. Like, uh, I hate when people like that are right. Um the um there's another narrative going around and Mark Kansian wrote about this and I need to I need to interview and, and get him on the podcast. Um And there was a study released about extremism in the American military. And so what the report said was less than a 100 people in a DOD that's north of 1.4 million have been identified by the criteria and again you know we've talked about this um this kind of stuff relative to marines united and some of the other things that that get going and they they all tend to be the same you know are veterans guilty of these things yes um are there people from active duty that that participated? Yes. So, but what you had the Secretary of Defense stand up and say, and what you had the Chairman say, is that this was a big problem. And the answer is, it's not. You know, it's the same criticism that you'll hear on this program about General Neller um, not pushing back hard enough on the Marines United narrative. You know? And part of that was that he didn't know how widespread it was. And and so, you know, people sit there, but they say these things. And I had somebody who emailed me a study that was released by the DOD in late December. And what they said, their bone of contention was this, this data that says that, oh, yeah, the whole extremist thing in the American military, uh, not so much. Yeah, not so much. The um, so uh, again, I just we go down these rabbit holes, and as I said, I'll, I'll read you the first paragraph of what Mark Kansian wrote. Recent headlines have suggested that violent extremism he published this on December 23rd, so I think he published this shortly thereafter. That study, that DOD study was released. Um. Recent headlines have suggested that violent extremism is rampant in the U.S. military. This is untrue. Although violent extremism does exist in the military, it is extremely rare. The impression arises from conflating, quote, personnel with ties to the military with active duty with military personnel. The distinctions are critical. Violent extremism on both the left and the right exists in every element of society and must be opposed vigorously. When personnel impelled by these, belief commit, by, by these beliefs commit illegal acts, they must be prosecuted. However, tearing the military apart to identify small numbers of extremists would not only be unwarranted, it would be dangerous. But yet that, in fact, is, you know, what you hear the Secretary of Defense say? One of the, great, one of the great, greatest threats is extremism in the military. And you just, you, you know, you sit there and you listen to it and you're just like, you got to be kidding me, man. And so, what, to, so to what extent is—and this is, this is me, as I'm guilty of different things—to um, what extent is this the Secretary of Defense just standing up and, 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 and shilling for his job? Is he any different than a politician? Uh, no. No. No, because he's saying the things that he's supposed to say that some politician wants him to say. But isn't he wilted to the defense of the nation? Isn't he supposed to speak truth to power? Isn't that something we hear? Bleah! Makes me want to vomit every time I hear it in one of those fucking confirmation hearings. You know? And again, just like Marines United. You know, Senator Christine Gilmer, This is one of the darkest moments in Marine Corps history. No, it fucking wasn't. But it all plays out, it's grand theater, okay? It's grand theater. And let me just give you, um, Mark Kansen goes into the numbers, right? It's worth analyzing these distinctions with regard to January 6th riots because they were so threatening to the republic. And there was great effort to identify people involved. Of the 727 people charged by federal prosecutors so far in connection with the riots, 81 are veterans, four are reservists, and one, a Marine major, was on active duty. Note these numbers change frequently as the legal process unfolds. At 11% of those prosecuted over the riots, veterans are overrepresented overrepresented, since they are 5.5% of the general population. However, these 81 may not be representative of the entire 18 million veterans in the United States, as they comprise only a very small fraction. The four reservists are out of 810,000 currently serving in the Guard and the Reserve personnel. That's about one in 200,000. The single active duty service member is one out of 1.35 million on active duty. Now I told you that that DoD report came out, and I, and Mark quotes it. Right, the next he- paragraph is headline: Small DoD numbers. DoD investigations have turned up fewer than 100 active duty and reserve personnel who are subject to official action due to engagement in prohibited extremist activity. This represents 0.05% of total troops or one service member out of every 21,000 in transmitting the in transmitting the report, Secretary Austin noted, quote, the overwhelming majority of the men and women of the Department of Defense serve the country with honor and integrity. They respect the oath they took to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. No, no, no. He's wrong about that. Right? Po- point. All right? It's not even 1%. So .005 of 1%. That's not the overwhelming majority, Mr. Secretary, unless you suck at fucking math. That's nobody. That's virtually nobody in a force of 1.35 million is engaged in this shit. And you stood up repeatedly and and said extremists extremism in the military is this great threat and then again, according uh I, let me see if I can find the email that I got sent recently um. Somebody asking me about the Bathurst letter. Shit. Anyway, it was, it was questioning the way the whole thing was released and, and all of that. And that we're playing, again, we're playing stupid fucking games. And oh, by the way, while we're playing stupid games... The Russians get ready to invade, right, or doing whatever they're going to do relative to Ukraine. The Chinese continue to sharpen their sticks in the Western Pacific. But we're fucking around with this kind of stupid stuff. And again, the problem is we don't, we don't have leaders that will stand up and say, hey, this is bullshit. You didn't see a grand press conference called for at this. I would venture to say most of you didn't even know this. Right? So, anyway, um, I thought I should share that with you. Now, there's also something I saw last week um, as the great kerfuffle relative to the events of January 6th of a year ago happened. Now, look, I'm, I'm not saying nothing happened, right? I would, I would, I would concur with Colonel Cancion retired, Mark Hansian's, uh were a riot. So you had a confluence of idiots. You had a confluence of protesters. And, uh, and then, you know, you had a confluence of people with an agenda that went down there to do something. Okay? And so I was talking to Will about this, and Will will be on. I think, so I think what Almanraator is going to evolve to is Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. That's what I'm going to endeavor to do. So um, will forward me a link um, in an article written um, by a uh, PhD. at the University of Chicago, right entitled "Who Are the Insurrectionists?" So again, things you don't see again this is data analysis so data analysis so just as Colonel Kansian took the data that's come out of the extremism search that the DOD did right um the University of Chicago this guy I think his name is Stephen Hayward right did a data analysis of everybody who's been arrested, and I think, and indicted. So the title is, Who are the Insurrectionists? Something called the Chicago Project on Security and Threats at the University of Chicago yesterday published a fascinating report on the, quote, American face of insurrection that looks closely at the demographics of more than 700 individuals who were arrested for the dire events at the Capitol a year ago. While the report is couched in the conventional media language of how the January 6th, quote, insurrection, unquote, was, quote, an act of domestic political violence unprecedented in U.S. history since the U.S. Civil War, unquote, the findings of the report run sharply contrary to the media and the Democratic Party cliches. If you look past the boilerplate verbiage There are some real stunners. Let's start with some of the summary language. Quote, this is quoting the report. The Capitol Hill insurrectionists are far closer to the mainstream, the U.S. electorate, than right-wing violent offenders in every socioeconomic variable aside from race and gender, and retired. Although the insurrectionists, and again, this is the language of the report, who are all Pro Trump activists mirror the characteristics of Trump voters in many cases, they are not simply a cross section of Trump voters. And cross section would mean, right, um, represented by percentage, right, at that event, okay, of Trump voters. Okay, in other words, this is the article now, this is the narrative of the article. Okay, and the article's extracting um, and analyzing the, uh, this, this, this report that was done by the University of Chicago. And I have the report, and I'll put the link in this, in, in this podcast. I'll put both the Powerline blog article and a link to the link to the report so you can look at the actual report. In other words, a lot of people storming the Capitol on January 6th cannot be described as mere right-wing extremists. What does this mean in detail? Yeah, what caught my eye, in detail, right? The different age distribution tells us two important things about the insurrection as a broader movement. Again, quoting from the report. First, that the movement is led by millennials and Gen X. What? I thought this was older Trump people from rural areas, right, that overwhelmingly support him. Now, again, this is statistical analysis of the over 700 people, 70, 700, over 75, yeah, over 700 people indicted, right? Right? So I'll read it again. First, the movement is led by millennials and Gen X, with aging baby boomers between 57 and 75 in the year 2021, well represented in the electorate, staying out. I'll read that again. First, that the movement is led by millennials and Gen X, with the aging baby boomers well represented in the electorate staying out. So older Trump voters were not there, right? Second, and related, baby boomers are not leaving the Republican Party altogether, as nearly half of Trump voters are over 55. They are just not participating in this brand of right wing movement. The political movement, this this continues with the report, the political movement evolving out of the insurrection represents the development of a younger right-wing ideology that is not attracting the strong conservative base among older generations. Okay, so only three percent of the quote-unquote insurrectionists in this report are retired Trump voters. They are 20% of the electorate, and among Trump voters, they're 26%. They're only 3%. So you can see that baby boomers did not participate. Okay? The article goes on, and and I'll just read you some um, things that I highlighted. Here is the real stunner. This is the narrative of the piece. A high proportion of, quote, insurrectionists, unquote, came from urban areas, not the rural areas composed of the deplorables. Only 23% of insurrectionists, again, quoting from the report, came from counties that are more rural than urban. The national average of the 23% of the U.S. population who live in this same classification this means that insurrectionists are overwhelmingly urban phenomenon. The more rural a county, the lower its rate of sending insurrectionists. So this is younger and it's urban. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. So again, the author of the, of, of the, of the study, his name is Robert Pape, PAPPE at the University of Chicago writes in Foreign Policy, the insurrectionist movement is mainstream, not simply confined to the political fringe. Hmm. Well, that's kind of interesting, don't you think? That the data associated, you know, with that event would actually be analyzed and you'd be, you know, given conclusions about that? And again, let me just tell you, to me, as somebody who grew up in the 60s and watched the demonstrations and the riots, you know, I think that coming out of that, I would say, look, I will, uh, I don't need to agree with you, but I'll defend your right to say whatever you want to say peacefully. But in terms of violence, no, we don't do that. It's not the American way. Okay, so to me, what, what happened on, on January 6th was disgusting, right? The whole concept of the United States, right, majority rule, minority rights, is such a unique concept in the, on, on the planet. And I don't think, honestly, I think our public school system sucks so bad, I don't think most even realize it. <laughs> they don't even understand our form of government, Right. What is a what is a Republican democracy? What is that? And so kind of interesting. I should probably put this in the article, too, if you want to take a look at it. But I copied three articles out of The Federalist written in 2013, 2014. And the first one is entitled What the Founders Meant by Self-Governance. Written by a guy named Paul David Miller. Okay, so talks about, you know, primarily discussing uh, Madison's discussions about these things and Madison, statements Madison made during um, the formulation of the Constitution and, um, and how they believed the country would work. The second article is entitled. I screwed it up. Because I have the same title on it, although it's a different article. I'll have to fix that. Hold on. I'll give you a second title because I know how to do shit like this. Control, enter second article, oh, it's part two, same title, so I wasn't wrong okay it's nice to know and then part three is how Tocqueville anticipated our culture of dependency that's the third essay in this in this in this discussion of self governance and how it works, and so when you when you look at the way the you know the the, the f- founders, uh, in an effort uh, to form the nation, how do you appeal to such a diverse and spread out um, population? How do you get them to all throw in in this one cause and not to set up their own nations here? And again, um, as, as most of you know, the way you get people to do that is you give them a say. And so there's, so as, as opposed to a straight democracy, which would be out of the House of Representatives, there was a second chamber set up designed to be a break on the population centers, as was the Electoral College. Everybody would have a say. And so you see what the Senate does, you know, the hot emotional debate of the people in the House and the cooler, longer view of the Senate. And, and, and then you watch the things that people say, and, and what that system is designed to do is to, is to make change difficult. And so when you see, and, and specifically to keep narrow majorities, which we have today, right, from taking the country and trying to do exactly, so it's ironic to read it now, To do exactly what you're seeing the Democratic Party try to do, which is take it, take the country and and turn it hard left. And how would they do that? Oh, they would do it by, by gimmicks. By, you know, what do they call that? Uh... Continue. What do they call that? Uh, there's a form that they use, and and so now they put the Senate parlamar- parliament, Parliamentarian in these positions. Where I think it's a woman. Where she, right? Uh, <clears throat> where she is is making these rulings that will define whether this agenda can go forward. Because the agenda passing is based on a, a legislative gimmick. Yeah. Saying oh no, no no, it doesn't it I know you're listening to it depends what your definition of is is, but what is really means is you know tomato soup that's what is means and that's the, that's this kind of craziness that goes on anyway, so it's interesting to read these articles right and 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 look at um the data and the truth and then watch this thing that um that goes on in our country on a daily basis. And, and I have to tell you, um, I have to tell you that I'm I'm pretty pessimistic about the future of the country. And, you know, we're watching something today play out. Um, what is going to happen relative to Ukraine? And Grant Newsom is going to come on on Wednesday and we're going to talk about that. But... Will we, I mean, the United States is sitting down with Russia to talk about a deal, about a sovereign nation. Can you imagine that? If somebody was, can you imagine if somebody was doing that to us? Yeah. Brazil and um, China are going to have a discussion about the United States and what will happen to the United States. What? Yeah and so what in the hell and so will we stand up to the russians and say look ukraine is a sovereign nation the, the ukrainian people will decide what they will be you will not and if you and if you undertake military action right we will help them or will we go and do some what neville chamberlain bullshit cuz we're too weak I mean, for God's sake, Germany doesn't even have a military. And now you hear Vladimir Putin, you know, again, is Ukraine a threat to Russia? Well, let me tell you how Ukraine becomes a threat to Russia. Ukraine becomes a threat to Russia if it becomes to be, if it comes to become a more powerful economic entity than Russia is Russia. If you look at its landmass, is you know it's got a it's got a economy smaller than that of Canada. It's a joke, and most of that, the vast majority of that, gross domestic product is natural resources, oil, oil. yeah. So what will you? What will the Biden administration do here? And I just. I don't know. I don't have any confidence. Relative to the the direction of the nation, if 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 you watch the news, if you watch the stories that come out of our cities, and you look and you say, okay, what is going to change this? Who are the leaders that are going to stand up and lead the country in a better direction? Yeah, exactly. Crickets, crickets, crickets. Who is that? You know, I, the President of the United States had a chance on uh, on January 6th to stand up and talk to the nation. And what he did was he decided to play politics. He, You know, he could have talked to the nation and said, hey, I want to talk to everybody today. <clears throat> These kind of things happen however you would characterize it. Those of you who would call it an insurrection, I'm talking to you. Those of you who would call it a riot, I'm talking to you. And those of you who would call it nothing, I'm talking to you. We are headed in a direction as a nation where we are screaming past each other. We no longer even listen to each other, let alone right, have sit down and have some kind of intellectual discourse over this kind of stuff. We're on a dangerous path where we continue to burn it down and i want to call on everybody to step back and take a look the lubricant of democracy is compromise that's what makes it go there is no compromise anymore in the system as i just said you know because there is no there is no majority right the senate split 50-50 and arguably Tilted fifty-one forty-nine to the Republicans because Joe Manchin. You know how does a state like Montana have have senators? You know that vote with the Democratic Party. I don't know. I don't know. But Joe Manchin, you know, essentially sides with the Republicans now. So it leaves Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, right Democrat resorting to parliamentarian gimmicks in order to pass legislation. Right. <clears throat> so, and again, and, and and this is the intended consequence of the framers of the Constitution. And then you hear people go on, the progressives chiefly that go on the news and say, yeah, we need to blow that up. You know? Why does he get to decide for everybody? So, you know and and when you look at this you have a media that has a, 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 it embraces a narrative that narrative comes out of our university so that's the educational system which is melting down before our very eyes and who turns this around we live in the most culturally diverse nation on the planet Yet, somehow or other, we've been convinced that we're the most racist nation on the planet. And to you who think that, take a trip around the globe, come back and tell me what you think. Yeah. So, my question is, what leads us out of this? And I don't think, I don't see anybody who's leading us. I don't see anybody who's an articulate spokesman for the future of the nation. All I see is people that want to get up and burn it down. So I'm not very—here's what I think. What I think is there's going to be other very violent, bad things that happen in the country. I mean, think about it. And I've said this before, but um, there was a guy, I think he was from Illinois or Indiana, got in his car. He's a Democrat. Said he had had enough showed up at a baseball practice. I think of House Republicans in Alexandria. I want to say he had two or three weapons, one of them a rifle. And except the fact that he tries to get in the baseball diamond through a gate that's locked, he would have killed probably dozens of congressmen. So... And that the fact that he shot Steve Scalise and then was killed was a tribute to his own stupidity. Right? Trying to go in a lock gate with a long rifle, which alerted you know the police that were standing by, and they killed him. So what happens if he goes in the open gate? What happens if you if you have veterans who are pretty good with weapons and aren't so stupid? What happens if you if you have three or four of them? You know how many million? served in Iraq and Afghanistan, and have skills? What happens if people like that who have come home and are dislodged and they watch this stuff on TV, they look at our elections, and they conclude, you know what? The elections aren't fair anymore. The elections are rigged. I watch all this bullshit on TV about redrawing districts, about vote counting, blah, 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 blah. Right? I took an oath to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. What happens if those idiots do something? You know how much damage they can do. And I don't see anybody on the horizon that is looking to to put an end to this. I don't see any bipartisan group in, in the House or the Senate that comes together and says, hey, look, um we want to find broader based solutions to these problems. We know that we ha we have to lead this thing we know we 're just politicians, but we want to be better we think we can do better. Who is that group answer you don 't hear that ever ever so I hate to be Dolly downer today, but things that have been in my things that have been in my head. So let me, uh, let me peruse the news real quick, and then I'm going to get out of here. And then uh, I'll be back on Wednesday. Uh, you'll see it posted to the podcast page at 8 o'clock. And uh, Grant Nusham will join me for that. And then on Friday, the Mensa brothers will join me. So there you have it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Um, I'm extremely concerned about the country that I've grown up in, that I've fought for, that I've lived in my entire life. I see the narrative about this incredible experiment in democracy. And I see that the people that are supposed to be the stewards of it, they're certainly anything but leaders. Anything but leaders. Because leaders tend to do the right thing. Not what simply is politically expedient. And and I'll link it back to the Secretary of Defense. In a force of 1.4 million approximately, Less than 100? And this was this grand threat to the American military. And it's people like that who will not stand up and tell the truth. You know, I know know I'm here. I know what I'm supposed to do. But let me tell you, I expect these numbers to be very, very small, minuscule. And I don't want this issue, no matter how much hot air it gets in our media, to detract from that. So now we have it. Ninety nine point nine nine five is what Colonel Canson said. Um, when he gave his numbers, yeah, ninety nine point nine nine five. Okay, that's a hundred percent. And yet and yet, you know how much you know how much ink? Well, we don't really do ink anymore, but you know how many characters th- this topic has absorbed in the last year? It's a fucking joke. But politicians put it in motion because it serves a political narrative. And then we have the Shills that swore to us when they got confirmed, uh, yes, senator,'m I'm, I'm never afraid to treat, speak truth of power. Dude, you wouldn't, you wouldn't speak truth to power. You want to know why? Because it, ha- it would have a personal impact on your fucking career. That's why you would never fucking do that. And let me tell you, because of that, we have the problems in the United States Navy. Yeah. A service that the nation would lean on in a war against China, who's absolutely not up to that task. In fact, there's a headline today about, you know, Navy recruit training is going to change. And I think they use the term back to the basics. You fucking think? And, and let me, I'll, I'll throw one other thing out there before I take a quick look at the news today. And that is this. You can see why I don't want to stop doing all-marine radio because I like it. Um, <clears throat> but here's one other thing you can stick in your pipe. There was a CO and an ex of a ship last week. It was announced that they were, they were relieved. And the incident had to do with some form of sexual harassment. I'll leave it at that. Summarily fired, relieved, because they had been, um, their leaders had lost trust and confidence. All right. You had the commanding officer of the USS Somerset Eight sailors, eight marines, and a sailor died. That dude was fundamentally ignorant of his responsibilities that day, captaining that ship, and he did not get smoked. The navy absolved him. Yeah, what what really happened that day could not have been. I mean, it's just it's just a fucking joke. And it's guys like the secretary of defense, the bobblehead crew. Okay that won't speak truth to power, that allow... And again, the Navy, I mean, they roll over faster than, than you can shake a stick. And where does that get you in a military that's supposed to be able to fight tonight? It gets you in a very, very compromised position, okay? So I would I would tell everybody, pray that there is no war with the Chinese. Because if there is, not going to be good. Not going to be good. So, with that, let me read you top stories and stars and stripes. Um, yeah. So, we're meeting about the Ukraine today. Here's the top story Japan based troops start two weeks of travel restrictions to curb explosive coronavirus spread. Hmm. Second headline strategic talks between Russia and the United States underway in Geneva. Well. There you go. Editor's pick. Defense Department spent more than 188 million to support thousands of Afghan refugees at Marine Corps Base Quantico, according to report. Also in the news, um board of inquiry hearings going on in San Diego. Headline: Family of Marines is divided after father shoots ailing wife. Oh my god. That's not the story I was looking for, just so you know. Panel to determine former battalion commander's culpability in deadly amphibious vehicle sinking. This is in the San Diego Union. And there's a picture from uh there's a little uh there's a statue of a Marine saluting, facing out the sea in San Clemente over the pier. And uh there's a picture of that. Um after hearing testimony Friday, Friday from the former battalion commander of eight Marines and one sailor killed. When their amphibious vehicle sank beneath the waves of the Pacific on July, in July of 2020, a panel of three Marine colonels will determine whether he should be held responsible. The results of the officer's board of inquiry, and those of several others planned for the coming weeks, will be announced when they have been concluded, according to Camp Pendleton's one meth. Lieutenant Colonel Michael Regner, the former C.O. of 1st Battalion, 4th Marines, was removed from command in the months following the fatal accident. And so his board of inquiry began last Tuesday. So they heard testimony from family members, from uh, both people that supported uh, Lieutenant Colonel, um, Regner, and obviously his detractors. And you've heard Peter Ostrowski here, right? Um, he's quoted in the article. The parents of two of those killed testified Thursday about the accident, the accident's effect well outside the gates of the base. Peter Ostrowski, father of 21-year-old PFC Jack Ryan Ostrowski, told the board his family was shot by the top down incompetence of his son's leaders when they were first briefed on the investigation. Quote, the investigation showed a lack of duty, of care of our son and his squadmates, Ostrowski said, adding he was, quote, bewildered how vehicles in such poor condition could be part of America's response force. Nancy Vienna, the mother of 22-year-old Navy corpsman Bobby Nem, G-N-E-M, testified through tears about her son's unexpected death and how it has affected her. Quote, My heart hurts when I think about how scared he was when the AAV went down, she said. I wasn't there for him. Vienna's father, Peter Vienna, Nem's father, told the board he didn't understand why Regner or any Marine leaders are pushing back against accountability. Quote, are they pushing back just so they can retire at a higher rank? We seek just a sliver of accountability. So anyway, um, so those board of inquiries um, uh, began last week. So that in the news. Uh, Top story today in the Wall Street Journal is stock losses deepen as tech shares fall. A little bit of a sell-off going on. Kind of an interesting little article about um, the SEC. And if you think about this vis-a-vis China. So the Securities and Exchange Commission, right? Right. So if you're going to list publicly, things like that. The SEC is preparing to force more transparency from big private companies as regulators grow concerned about the lack of oversight of the private fundraising that has fueled their rise. Private capital markets have become an increasingly popular way for companies to raise money in the United States in recent decades following firms to allowing firms to acquire funding from institutions and wealthy individuals without regulatory burdens of going public. The number of so-called unicorns private companies valued at $1 billion or more has continued to grow even amid the recent boom in initial public offerings. So kind of interesting, the SEC asking for more accountability and transparency. Top story in the New York Times, Russia agrees to keep talking on Ukraine, playing down talk of an invasion. So we'll talk to Grant about that. What's the, again, as as I've asked uh, throughout watching this. So Dr. Evil creates this whole, and his narrative is this. Russia is the victim in all of this. What? Oh, that the Ukraine? Or Ukraine might invade Russia? So Russia's the victim in all of this? This is a made-for-TV event by a guy who's presiding over a failing nation and one of the reasons that Russia needed to act very quickly in the past week uh, relative to events in I want to say Kyrgyzstan but um, is that where they went I want to say no um, Anyway, let's just pretend it's Kyrgyzstan. No, let's not. Whatever X nation is, right? Because Russia, totalitarian states, they don't need that shit to spread. I mean, look, I mean, consider this: the landmass that is Russia has a gross domestic product smaller than that of Canada. So, what is life like there? Yeah, not great. Not great. Not great. But they're the victims in all this. Just just remember that. And why are they the victims? Because they say they are. And what do we know about Vladimir Putin? If his lips are moving, he's lying. Okay? Because that's what that dude does. But let me tell you this. There's nobody better on the planet at that than him. And what's the secret of a good lie? Got a fair amount of truth in it. And he's he's awesome at it. Um, top story in USNI News. Surface warfare boss. So the guy who runs all surface ships in the Navy. Littoral combat ships positioned to supplement advanced expeditionary base operation mission. There you go. Well, I hope so. Otherwise, what the hell are they doing? Next story. Navy basic training extends to 10 weeks. First major overhaul in 20 years. So what was it and what are they going to do? Navy recruits will now have 10 weeks of basic training. In the service's biggest overhaul to training in nearly 20 years. The 10 week training, which went into effect on January 3rd, incorporates two weeks of life skills and mentorship. So, this is kind of the thing that the Marine Corps did, right? The last two weeks are called Sailor for Life. It is not necessarily all new training, instead, the two weeks will add hands on practicals and mentorship that sailors typically get once they join the fleet. Or maybe not. And maybe that's part of the problem. So again, you'll see this referred to as back to right, back to basics training and some like that, some stuff like that. Based on fleet feedback, hands-on training will be centralized and done in boot camp so that the sailors are more ready for fleet life once they arrive at their assignments. Quote this is this is the Navy. Overall, our goals are to ensure that when the recruit graduates, these initiatives connect them to each other. They're engaged, being a part of the Navy, being a part of the organizational culture, they're tough, they're resilient, and they can apply their tactics, techniques, and procedures at the fleet level. Here, here. Right? So Navy to be applauded. There you go. Back to the basics. Make them strong. And again, how do you do that? How do you do that? You demand things of them, right? You demand things of them. You make it hard. Next story, is written by a guy named John Grady, right? Headline, panel, Putin's, Putin's aims stretch beyond the Ukraine. So what happens when, you, you know, whatever happens to the Ukraine happens? Then what? I mean, we can see that, you know, he he took the Crimea. Because that actually belonged to Russia. It all belongs to Russia, don't you know? Russian President Vladimir Putin is, quote, An international criminal, and we need to be saying this, unquote, as forcefully as the United States condemned the leader of Serbia as responsible for the bloody Balkans wars during the 1990s, a former top NATO commander said on Thursday. Retired Army General Wesley Clark said the Kremlin, quote, responds to power in the same way that Slobodan Milosevic, president of Serbia, did in the earlier European crisis by backing off. Milosevic died in prison in 20, 2006, facing charges of war crimes and genocide from an international tribunal in The Hague, Netherlands. Quote, we should be playing that card with the Kremlin now in the Ukraine crisis, Clark, who had multiple meetings with Milosevic, added, quote, we've got to have our own information campaign to counter Russia and explain to the American people what's at stake in Ukraine. So, interesting, Um, this article goes on. Clark called Putin a risk taker. And that Putin wants the opportunity to shatter NATO. So, I I will see if I can find that, and maybe we'll somehow or other get that. Um, So, that in the news. Top Story Marine Corps Times. The Marines shake up aviation for the next fight. Activations, deactivations, more of the same as the F-35 comes on and other units are deactivated. In November 2021, the Marine Corps activated an air wing support squadron after a 27-year hiatus, MWS Detachment 24 that's not so much story about <clears throat> lieutenant colonel regner's boi you know and th- let me just say this on a personal note i know i know general regner <clears throat> i know lieutenant colonel regner um they're both great people but the question here is uh, what happened with 1-4. Okay, and if you've read the investigation, uh, what happened was not good. And as I've said repeatedly, when you read the investigation, it's extremely disheartening. Um, and to know that nine human beings drowned. Eight of them were Marines, one of them was a sailor. And if anybody does, halfway does their job that day, that doesn't happen. That, to me, is is the worst part of it. And there's multiple people involved in it. There's multiple entities involved in it. The USS Somerset, certainly involved in it, although they were absolved of any responsibility for it. Right? 1st Battalion, 4th Marines, their OPSO, their CO, their XO, right. The company commander, all those people involved in it. So uh, and then the division involved in it. Right. The division makes the decision to send one forward down to the border, compresses their training cycle. COVID happens even further, making training challenges. Right. More and more difficult. Where where was the adult that is supposed to say, hey, stop, we can't do this. Hey, stop, I'm not ready. Um, hey, stop, we're not going to be able to do this portion of the event because we haven't had enough time to make this right. We're those people. <clears throat> um, top five stories in early bird today. Uh, number one, Russian forces around Ukraine on three sides. Russian forces surround Ukraine on three sides. This map show shows how Moscow's positioning could widen the conflict. Yeah, from the New York Times. And you know me, I love maps. So you should check that out. Uh, Next headline, Sullivan warns Iran of severe consequences if American citizens are attacked. Um, So this is Jake Sullivan, White House National Security Advisor. Now, last week, two Iranian drones were shot down in Iraq. Okay? Okay. That follows and, and that follows on the heels of the United States evacuating a bunch of people on intel from Israel, what, a couple months before. I did not see any response to that, and I haven't seen any response to this. So we are back to playing this game where the Iranians finance attacks on Americans, and America now isn't even going after the proxies that did it. You know what we've done? The grand total we've done in those to to respond to that is zero, nothing. And if and if Jake Sullivan thinks that Iran is afraid of his ass, here's another guy. Speak truth to power, Mr. Sullivan. Uh, Absolutely, Senator. Got to be fucking kidding me. Air Force delays court martial of two-star general charged with sexual assault. An Air Force judge has postponed the court-martial of Major General Bill Cooley, a former Air Force research laboratory commander accused of sexual assault until mid-April amid an explosion in coronavirus cases, according to the service on Thursday. So that will continue. Army officer relieved of command facing discharge over racist social media posts. Now, if this is the story I'm thinking about, maybe it's a different one. A lieutenant colonel in the Army Reserve was relieved of command in 2020 and is now facing removal from the force after he peddled racist opinions to his troops and peppered his social media accounts with a consistent flow of outlandish posts attacking public officials that his own lawyer described as racist, inflammatory, and in poor taste. Lieutenant Colonel Michael Spillane, a medical officer. No, not the same guy. So, anyway. Um, That in the news. Navy boot camp lengthened to 10 weeks to prepare recruits for life in the fleet. And again, the Marine Corps did this um, during General Neller's Commandant C. I I would tell you um, maybe that's an important thing to do. I'm not exactly sure. I would be interested to hear people um, talk about um, the difference they see in recruits after this two weeks. But I think that the more important thing that units ought to do based on my discussion and getting around Is units auto form receiving uh, units, and they're not. um, They stand up when you get large numbers, and what you have is let's just say in a regiment. So you have three or four battalions. Some of the better non-commissioned officers, sergeants specifically, would be assigned to receive these young marines. Um they would be their squad leader if they're if you 're coming to my battalion, you belong to me, so you 're going to meet a great leader first and foremost so you 're going to have a point of reference in the battalion of somebody you can talk to and th- they would spend a week or two together and you would take them out to get them gas chamber qualified you would take them to the sp- to the pool and get them swim qualified or upgrade their swim calls. Qual- you know, and and then uh, maybe a series of other short things, maybe BZO weapons and things like that. I mean, just the chicken shit of life, right? But here's what's going on during the chicken shit: they're meeting these Marines, they're, and then they're having leadership discussions about hazing, about um, sexual assault, about alcohol, right? About suicide. But you're 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 sitting in a room with these with these outstanding Marines, and so you've got. Um, you're prepared. And, uh, I, I, I've had other Marines come up to me and say, I wish they would have had something like that for me. Uh, cause I know there's been battalions that have done it. I don't know too many regiments that have, I know there are battalions that are out there doing it, that they form a receiving, you know, platoon and they take these Marines and they do certain things with them and they introduce them and they're led by, you know, really, really good, uh, sergeants. And so what happens is you then tag that sergeant by being a part of this, and you're able to decorate him or her because of that and advance them um, to greater responsibility. So it's a, it's kind of a – it gets after two uh, two very, very important things, which is promoting, right, to make sure you document and reward quality leadership that you see and help them get ahead as well as setting people up to be successful. So, Yeah. From overseas operations, U.S. Russia meet to talk amid tensions in the Ukraine, Putin and Kazakh unrest. He says that the Russian led bloc will stymie any coup attempt. And again, that's important to, you know, um, if you don't think Russia's ruled by the strong hand of Of the totalitarian state. And you watch how he's responded to this. He knows. He knows. Uh, Next headline. Biden administration weighs offering Russia cuts to U.S. troops in Eastern Europe. I mean, and, and see, this is kind of bullshit. So. We don't have nearly the forces that we used to have there. Okay. So. So Vladimir Putin is like, he's puffing out his chest. He creates this thing in order to what? Further his own image. And let everybody know he's the power in the region. Again, we'll talk to Grant about this, you know? And and here's the scary thing. So he's created this made-for-TV event, and now the United States is going to pull troops out of Eastern Europe? What do the Eastern Europeans say about that? Oh, the, here we go again. The United States gets threatened and runs, like a little bitch, right? What are you afraid of, Vladimir Putin? Our next headline: U.S. Japan agreed to treat to keep troops on base to curb COVID spread. That in the news. Next headline: Blinken warns Russia ahead of talks with the, with Ukraine. No, does is anybody quaking in their boots because Anthony Blinken is threatening? I'll give you the answer. You know, so Anthony Blinken, Jake Sullivan. Oh, strongly worded statements. We're back to the, you know everybody, you know. Talk, we go through this with China all the time. Strongly worded statements that no, that neither Russia or China pay any attention to. Um, U.S.-Japan agreed to two defense pacts amid China worries. So the agreements over Japan's support of U.S. military forces in their country and a new agreement to do research and development on new defense technologies, that's in the news. And so you go, yeah. So that is a look at the news here on a Monday. And uh, before you start heaping abuse at me, you're welcome. And again, if you're just tuning in late, um, the um, All Marine Radio will be back certainly twice a week. Hopefully three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and uh, it will no longer stream live. Uh, I'll just post it like every other podcast gets posted. So with that said, thanks for listening on a Monday. I'm the host of All Marine Radio, Mike McNamara. Uh, If I can help you help somebody that's struggling, please do not hesitate. Call me. Email me. Do something, and I will help you. Uh, Until then, here's what I think. People have to stop screaming past each other. Right? I'm a conservative. Right? I don't mind sitting down and talking to anybody. Okay? We live in a great country. What is our responsibility relative to our children? What is our responsibility to each other? And how do, how do we become better at doing that? And let me tell you, Washington DC is not the place to go if you're looking for an example of how to do that. I mean, honestly, it's pretty, pretty disgusting. Pretty disgusting. And, and I don't like to, I have to tell you that I'm not a huge fan of the Speaker of the House. But last week there was an issue about members of Congress trading individual stocks. So members of Congress and congressional and, and their family members who regulate these companies, right? That was an issue that came up. And the Speaker of the House pushed back vigorously against that. And then news was reported that she and her husband have, ta- have bought options, call options. So what call options are is that you don't have to buy the stock. You buy an agreement to call the stock away from somebody at a certain price. So if I believe the price of the stock is going up to say 110 and it's 80 right now, I'll buy a bunch of calls at 90. So I don't have to take a, a huge position in the stock. It's much cheaper. It's an option, essentially, right? That's what they're called. And when the stock goes to 100, I call the stock away. And then I sell the stock when it gets to 110. Well, that's what the Speaker of the House is engaged in. And you, you see them pushing back against that. And so, I mean, I think the right response is, you know, you could be invested in mutual funds and while you're serving, and that should be put in a blind trust and somebody would manage it for you and you you do, you do pretty well. But to make, but to buy and sell individual stocks based on your position in the government is inappropriate, clearly, without a question. And that the answer you got was, oh no, we're a capitalist economy. You know, we we certainly have that right. Got it. You know, New York City, what's his name? Eric Adams, the new mayor, appoints his brother <laughs> as a police commissioner. And you and, and so we watch this stuff and it's like, come on, man. It doesn't pass the smell test, it doesn't even come anywhere close. And then, like I said, I mean when you look at the data, and Mark Kansian lays it out in some of it out in his article when, of uh, extremism in the military, it isn't there. 99.995% of the American military is not extremist. So why are we even talking about it? Let alone have the Secretary of Defense stand up and say it's a big problem. And the chairman said the same thing. Oh, 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 oh. I don't understand. And then apply the same, again, let's look at the data, let's analyze the data. You look at the data from January 6th a year ago, and here's what the data tells you. That's not right-wing extremism you're seeing, right? It's Gen X and millennial-based. It's from the urban centers of the nation, which tells you it's a different problem. It's the problem that elected Donald Trump. Yeah, I know he's a bit of a douche, but I'll vote for him before I'll vote for Hillary Clinton because I'm so pissed off at the people of Washington D.C. That sentiment that has been kind of uh, obscured because Donald Trump's right douchebaggery um, dominates all oxygen in in the in the vicinity, not just the room. But that was the sentiment that got him elected. So. Yeah. So when you look at the data and you analyze the data, I mean, it's a different story. That gets us closer to the truth. And, and, and I will tell you this. I mean, I've talked about Glenn Greenwald. Read what Greenwald had to say about, you know, the quote-unquote insurrection. And here's a liberal guy. And you're watching the things that, you know, that, that he posts and pretty amazing, pretty amazing. And you'll find Greenwald, he sends out this thing, um, hold on, let me see if I could find the last one he sent out or the one he sent out on, oops, going the wrong way. Glenn Greenwald, video transcript. Now, now again, Greenwald's a liberal journalist, but I will tell you what, probably has as much integrity as any journalist out there today. Here's the headline he writes relative to January 6th. The histronics... And the melodrama around 1 6 are laughable, but they serve several key purposes. Subheadline As Kamala Harris compares 1 6 to 9 11, and Nancy Pelosi introduces the cast of Hamilton to sing about democracy, today's inanity should not obscure its dangers. So I'll read you the first paragraph of what Greenwald, a liberal, writes. The number of people killed by pro-Trump supporters at the January 6th Capitol riot is equal to the number of pro-Trump supporters who brandished guns and knives inside the Capitol. That is the same number as the total of Americans who, after a full year of a Democratic-led Department of Justice conducting what is heralded as, quote, the most expensive, federal law enforcement investigation in U.S. history have been charged with inciting insurrection, sedition, treason, or conspiracy to overthrow the government as a result of the riot one year ago. Coincidentally, it is the same number as Americans who ended up being charged criminally by the Mueller probe of conspiring with Russia over the 2016 election, and the number of wounds, grave or light, that AOC, who finally emerged at night to assure an on-edge nation that she was okay while away while waiting in an office building away from the riots at the rotunda sustained on that solemn day the number is 0 but just as these rather crucial facts do not prevent the dominant wing of the US corporate media and the Democratic Party leaders from continuing to insist that Donald Trump's 2016 election victory was illegitimate due to his collusion with the Kremlin. It also does not prevent January 6th from being widely described in those same circles as an insurrection, an attempted coup, an event as traumatizing as Pearl Harbor 2,403 dead, 9-11 attacks, 2,970 dead, and the gravest attack on American democracy since the mid-19th century Civil War, which left 750,000 dead. And so this is from a liberal guy. And so... You look at this and you say, what prevents us from worse violence as people become so alienated from their government. And the answer is I don't I don't I think that because of the way our, our our elected federal I hate to word use the word leaders. Um I hate to yeah, I hate to use that word because they're not leaders. Right? But it's like there's absolutely no attempt to sit down and do what we pay them to do. It's just burn it down at any cost. And so because of that, you know, I don't see how this ends without more violence. And I think that's despicable. I think it's deplorable. But at some point, you, you made your bed, you lie in it. Now, the sad part is, is the people who wind up laying in that bed probably won't be the people that made it. And that's what's wrong with all of this, you know. So, anyway. <laughs> um, on this Monday, uh, my sister Maureen. Um, Maureen was born in 1963, so she would have been... No, she was born in 61. No, she was born in 60. So she would have been 61 today. Happy birthday, Mo. And, uh, you know, say a prayer. Say a prayer that the Chinese behave themselves in the Western Pacific. Because, bottom line, the United States Navy ain't up to it. Say a prayer for the leadership of the United States Navy. that they get their collective heads out of their ass? And they, they create a fighting force that can take on the Chinese and kick their ass. Say a prayer for our diplomats that are in Geneva right now. That somehow or other, they do the right thing. You've, there's a reason you've never heard this phrase. Peace through appeasement. You want to know why? Because it doesn't fucking work. History teaches that. So what will come out of whatever happens in Geneva? Say a prayer for that. But again, I'd say the number one prayer you should say is for the people that are elected officials that go to Washington, D.C., that maybe someday, some of them, enough of them, could become leaders, that they could work together in the collective interest of the American people. And they they would stop, playing this game of burn it down on each other so because if they don't I think you're going to see events in this country that are going to lead to a lot of people being killed and then the question is will that even slow it down will that even slow it down or does that provide just more fuel to the fire and the violence grows. I had scary times. Because I don't know the answer to those. And I don't see any, I don't see anything out there that gives me any hope that something's going to change anytime soon. So, on that very pessimistic <laughs> note, have a great day. Uh, Grant Newsham will join me on Wednesday. I'm Mike McNamara at the Sovereign Radio. Have a good one.